Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Hey, join me if you would in John's Gospel this morning and the third chapter. John chapter number three, Gospel of John chapter number three. We have been, uh, we've been looking at a theme here over the past few weeks. And I want to continue this morning to unwrap to unwrap Christmas. Remember our theme, Christmas Unwrapped. And uh, I think this is just uh, third or fourth. Hi, Tori. It's good to see you. This is just our third or fourth installation uh, or message. It seemed rather formal, right? Installation? What, what in the world does that mean? You know, uh, but this is our third or fourth message in the series, and we'll finish it, we'll finish it next Sunday morning. And I want to I take a look this morning at possibly now pay attention to this, the goat of all Scripture. Did you, did you ever see that before? G-O-A-T, the goat. It's used, in, it's used in all kinds of areas of life, right? In sports, you know, they say that Tom Brady is the goat. Quarterbacks, right? And um, in preaching, they say that Pastor Unizzi is the Ah, I just want to make sure you're awake this morning. Yeah. Amen. Dr. Riddell said, huh? <laughs> huh? So what does that mean? The goat. The greatest of all time. Right? And I don't know if you agree or not, but um, I think before us this morning, now you know all the Bible, all the Bible was given us by God, right? Inspiration. God gave all of it to us, every word of it, from the very beginning to the very end and all in between. We are firm believers that this is God's Word from cover to cover. And we don't believe that there's any error or contradiction, right? No, there's no flaws. There's no, uh-oh, what, you know, God said, oh, we should never put that in there. No, it's perfect. Do you believe that about your Bible? We believe it's perfect. God's Word's perfect. However, let, let's just be honest, as humans, aren't there some verses that just, I don't know, rise above others? I call them Hall of Fame verses. They're standalone verses. You don't even need to put it in context. You know what context is? You know, context is where you take a word and you put the word in a sentence, and then you take the sentence and you put the sentence in a, maybe a, a verse, and you take the verse and you put the verse in a passage, and you take the passage and put the passage in a chapter, and you take the chapter and you put the chapter in the, in the book, and then you take the book and you put the book in the Bible, and it all makes sense. That's context. And sometimes when you read a Bible verse, you need to put it in its context to really understand it, because if not, you can really get messed up, right? Have you ever got mess, messed up? It's kind of like the person who read his Bible every day just by kind of doing this. You know, and one day he wrote and, and, and it said this, Judas went out and hung himself, and the next day he wrote, go thou and do thou likewise. You know, and so that, that's not a good way to read your Bible. You know, you can get messed up that way. Um, so, but you put things in context. But then there's those verses that we call them 
standalone verses, Hall of Fame verses. And I think maybe, I don't know if you agree or not, but John chapter 3, verse number 16, might be the goat of all Bible verses, the greatest of all Bible verses, right? So let's read it together. John chapter 3 and verse number 16. The Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that a great, isn't that a great Bible verse? Isn't that a great Bible truth? And so as we continue to unwrap Christmas, I want to discover for us this morning and I just lost my notes there. I want to discover for us this morning what we're going to call the truths of Christmas. Again, this is the third or fourth uh, message in this series. And we, we've taken time to go through what we call the cast of Christmas. You look at the Christmas story, and there are certain characters in that story, the cast of Christmas. And then last time we looked at the words of Christmas, Right? Certain words that, I mean, just associate themselves with Christmas. I like the word we finished up with last week. Anybody remember what it was? The last word we looked at last week? Began with an E. P. I. P. Who? What? Epiphany. Epiphany. That's associated with Christmas. And you know what an epiphany epiphany It's that aha moment. Right? Where I finally, it, I, I get it. I finally got it. Now I understand what it is. That's an epiphany. Right? And, uh, and I hope you've had an epiphany when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, where you finally understand what it's all about. That's your aha moment in the Lord. Right? This morning, what I want to do is this. I want to take a look at the truths of Christmas. And you know, the Lord kind of made it easy for us, because He kind of sums up Christmas truth in just one Bible verse. John chapter 3, verse 16, kind of sums up the whole truth of Christmas. And, uh, and I know it's vast. You know, we talk about John 3.16 as if we, really, if we really understand it. But I don't know if we can do an exhausted enough study to really understand and comprehend the truth, the power, and the influence of that one Bible verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's vast. Amen. You know? And, and I've preached on it. I, 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 I don't like saying this too much any longer because it dates me, but I've been preaching for a long time. I mean, I've been pastoring for 37 years. And I'll tell you what, before that, Brother Riddell, I've preached three or four years before that. So I've been preaching over 40 years now, and I've preached on John 3.16 a few times. In fact, in my early days, I thought that's all I knew how to preach on was John 3.16. It was one of those great Bible verses. And I came, uh, you know, from every angle. I attacked that thing from every angle. And yet, every time I read it, every time I study it, every time I try to really comprehend it, uh, the Lord just reveals something fresh and new to me from it. And so I'm not sure if we can really exhaust it, but the Lord did sum up for us, I think, Christmas truth in this text. Now, in the context, now pay attention here, in the context, when you begin to put verse 16 in the chapter and then the chapter in the book, what you begin to find in verse number one is there's dialogue, there's a conversation. Jesus is speaking to a fellow named Nicodemus, right? You know that. Look, look, just in case you don't, look at verse number one. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. In other words, he was a religious leader. And, and this Nicodemus, of course, you keep reading, he comes to Jesus, and he's, and he's got a question for him. 
And, and the question he has for Jesus basically is this. Let's just put it in our terms. You know, Lord, how in the world can I know for sure that when I die, I'm going to go to heaven? And that's pretty much what he's asking, right? Do you ever read the Bible? And, and, uh, and as the discussion goes on, Jesus responds, uh, and, and he gives him some, he gives him some good, good, good things to think about. But look at verse number 9. Jesus answered, or Nicodemus answered and said unto him, how can these things be? See, Jesus said, Nicodemus, if you want to know for sure that you can go to heaven, you've got to get born again. You've got to get saved. You've got to get born again. And Nicodemus said, huh? Say, say that again? How in the world? I'm an old man. I'm not talking about me, Nicodemus. He said, I'm an old man. How can I go back into my mother's womb and come out again? And Jesus probably said something like this. Even if you could, it wouldn't, it wouldn't change anything. Because you'd come out the same way as you came out the first time. Yeah, right? A little sinner. And now you're an old sinner. You know? And so Nicodemus says, how can these things be? And look how Jesus uh, responds. Jesus responds, verse number 10. Jesus said, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? Did you see that? Jesus says, wait a second, you tell me you're a religious leader, you're a leader in your religion, you're a Pharisee, and you don't know these things? How about that? And, and then Jesus goes on and gives to Nicodemus an object lesson. Now we're getting to why verse 16 is in chapter number 3, right? Nicodemus says, Lord, how can I know for sure that I can go to heaven? And Jesus says, you've got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, I, I don't understand that. And Jesus says, wait a second, you're a religious leader, you don't know? And Nicodemus said, mm, apparently not. So Jesus, being a master teacher, gives him an object lesson. Look in verse number 14. And, and, and he says this, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And so, uh, pay attention here. Uh, Nicodemus, being a religious leader, knew all about the law. He knew all about Moses. He knew that there was a time in history when the Israelites were being bitten by serpents because of their rebellion against God. See, God said, stay within the boundaries. And the Israelites said, mm, no way. And as they would step over the boundaries, they would get bitten by serpents and they would die. And so they began to complain to Moses and, and they said, Moses, what do we do? And, and Moses said to God, these people are driving me crazy. What do I do? That's what he said in the Hebrew. And God said, here's what you do. And he gave, him, he gave him the symbol of taking a couple of serpents and wrapping them around a pole. And then he said this, and he said, hold that pole up in the midst of the camp. Whoever looks upon the pole will be healed. You know what that's a picture of? That's a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ being hung up on a tree, on a cross. And anyone who looks upon shall be sick. Also, if you've ever seen the medical symbol, you know what the me medical symbol is? It's two serpents wrapped around a pole. Where'd they get that from? Where'd they get that from? And so Nicodemus says, man alive, how in the world can this be? And Jesus says, you don't know? And he brings them a, an object lesson, you know, from the Old Testament. And now it's starting to dawn on, the, on, on Nicodemus. And Jesus said this, verse 15. He said, whosoever, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he backs it up. With this great truth, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have what? Verse 15, it's eternal life. Verse 16, it's everlasting life. Which is it? It's both. 
It's both. Both, but not the same. Why is that? I'll tell you why that is. Eternal life speaks about the quality. Everlasting life speaks about the duration. And so we get to live an unbelievable quality of life forever and ever and ever with no more sin, no more sickness, no more death, no more of the former things. All passed away. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord for that. But in that one verse, in that one verse, I find the great truths of Christmas. And I want to share just three of them with you this morning. The first one that I want you to recognize is this. The first great truth is love. God's love. God's love. You know, we read this, for God so loved the world. And I'd venture to say that if you've been around Christianity for any length of time at all, those words, that Bible verse is embedded in you. Right? Isn't that right? I mean, even probably how many of us before we even got saved, we heard John 3.16. How many of us sports people have seen the sign guy? Remember back when, you know, before modern technology, you had the sign guy? (laughs) He used to have on that clown's wig, you know, big afro with the rainbow colors, and he'd be holding up the sign behind the goalpost, behind the hockey net, behind the, you know, the, uh, in the basketball court, and he's holding up that sign. What'd that sign say? John 3.16. Why? Because John 3.16 says it all. Huh? And so that Bible verse, that truth is embedded in us. It's in our mind. It's in our heart. In fact, those of us who don't even memorize Scripture may even have that memorized. Right? Unsaved people know that Bible verse. And we've heard this early on. But I believe, pay attention right here, I believe it's important for us to understand what it means think about this think about the world think about the world that god loved for god so loved the world and all of a sudden maybe you get a little bit of vision of sugar plums dancing around in your head huh oh god loved the world and you know it's beautiful blue skies and puffy clouds and and green pastures and still waters and sheep and But when you think about the world that God loved, think about this. He loved the world that you and I live in. He, 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 listen, he loved the world that's filled with rebellion and rejection. That's, that's, that's the world God loved. Uh, He loved the world of Noah's day. Do you ever read about the world of Noah's day where the Bible says when God looked down at people in Noah's day, he saw the people having pleasure in unrighteousness and the only thing that was on their mind continually was evil? That's the world that God loved. Are you you with me? You think about about the world that the judges lived in during the judges' time in the Bible. And the Bible says this about that point in time in, uh, in history. It was a time when every man did that which was right in their own eyes. That's the world that God loved. Could you imagine today if we lived in a world, we all, we're almost there, where every man did that which was right in his own eyes? Huh? Boy, I can get off on this right now. It really drives me crazy. I don't watch the news anymore. Man, I don't watch the news no more because I get so frustrated. Because I see, now, now, here's the newest thing, here's the newest fact. You get a bunch of people, a bunch of young people, and they say, hey, you know what? Uh, let's all go get some new uh, footwear. And so they'll go to a local footwear establishment. You know, I won't name any names. And all of a sudden, they just go in and herd and knock over shelves and take anything they want, Charles. 
And that's okay. Why? Because it's right in my own eyes. We're living during a time almost where everybody is doing that which is right in their own eyes. Somebody's got to get hurt by that. But that's the world that God loves. <laughs> think about that. For God so loved the world. And we got to get this right. We got to think about the world that he's talking about. He's not talking about the earth. There's a difference in the Bible between the earth and the world. When God's speaking about ge geography, he calls it earth. Landmass. When he's speaking about people, he calls it the world. Jesus didn't die for the grass or for a tree. Jesus didn't say, go hug a tree. No, Jesus died for people. He died for you and me. Are you with me? That's the world that God loved. Pay attention here. It's a world filled with war and bloodshed. That's today, isn't it? You can't open up a newspaper, turn on the TV and watch the news without seeing war, bloodshed, crime, death, killing. That's the, that's the world God loves. It's, it's, it's a world filled with hatred and prejudice. It's a world that's been marred by sin. For God so loved that world. That world. Wow. That ought to change something for us. That ought to be an epiphany. That ought to be an aha moment. Huh? Look here. He, he, he didn't say, there's nothing real pretty about this world. Not at all. In fact, in fact we didn't earn uh, God's love. Not at all. We're not worthy of his love. We're not lovable. God just loved us because he wanted to. <laughs> it's his choice. Isn't that awesome? Huh? And so, and so uh, God's love is a Christmas truth. What was it that caused God to give his only begotten son? What was it? It was his love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Which leads me to the second truth that I find in this text of scripture. And that's the word gave. Flip it. Gave. There you go. Gave. Look, look at that. Look at that, that thought. God gave Look at the next few words, his only begotten son. You know, someone said this, I'm not sure who, but I heard it said before, that love is measured by what is given. Love is measured by what it costs, what it costs you, right? Love's not cheap. I like the words here in this text of Scripture, God, look at it, so loved. You know what that is? You know what that word so adds to the equation? A measurement. Right? So how much did God love? I remember, I remember years and years ago, my little granddaughter, uh, Juliana, pray for the papas. They're really sick. Uh, got sick this week. Jason, Nicole, they're, they're just going through a real difficult time. Their body hasn't adjusted to, to New Jersey yet. It's still got the Florida thermostat in it, you know. And so they're sick and they're really sick this week. But I remember when, I was, when, I, when she was just a little, little girl, she's 16 now. She was just a little girl, Brother Riddell. She used to say to me, Pop, how much do you love me? How much do you love me? And I remember doing this. I remember going like this. How much do you love me? That much? No. I... Huh? God, so, Lord, Lord, how much did you love us? I so love. That word so adds a measurement. Talk about salvation. How great is salvation? So Great. Did you ever see that in Hebrews chapter number two? How shall we escape if we neglect so 
great salvation. That word so adds a measurement. Or in other words, when I said to Julia, how much did I can't get any further than that. I love you with everything I have. Huh? Lord, how much did you love us? And Jesus said, Are you with me? Christmas truth. God gave. And the Bible says he gave his only begotten son. Now, I can get off on that, but I won't. But that word begotten is important. Does your Bible say that? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son or his only begotten son. You see, that word begotten refers to his deity. Huh? You know what that means? That means this. God God gave himself. What he gave was God. I like when Jesus said this. When Jesus was leaving earth, he said to his disciples, fret not, I'm I'm going to send another comforter. You know what that word another means? Just like the one that's leaving. Just another. Uh, Donna, that, that, that cheesecake was delicious. Can I have another slice? What I'm asking for? The same thing. Don't give me something other. Huh? God sent himself in the form of his son. See, Jesus is God. 100%. Amen? That's incarnation, where God became flesh. The angel told Joseph, you know, you shall name him Emmanuel, which being interpreted is, say with me, class. God with us. God with us. So God's love is, love is measured by the gift he gave, and the gift he gave was his only begotten son. Look here, it wasn't his only son. I'm a son. Nathan, you're a son. Dom, you're a son. But Jesus is begotten. Are you with me? Huh? We're adopted. But Jesus is begotten. He gave his best. And I'm glad. You know, for many, Jesus is the forgotten son, not the only begotten son. He's the only forgotten son. Let him not be the forgotten son this Christmas. But I want you to notice this. I want you to notice the word gave. You know, one of the traits of our Christmas celebration is gift giving and receiving, right? You like giving? You like receiving? Come on, don't get shy. We all like to give gifts and receive gifts. And I think it's an expression of our love, right? We want to express our love by giving the object of our love a gift. And I believe this. I believe we can say with confidence that giving is a God thing, right? God gave his only begotten son. That's how his love materialized. Lord, how do we know you love us? I gave you my only begotten son, right? And I think this, now pay attention right here. I think God gives to us and then he expects us to give in return. Right? And we do. But can I get, just get real quiet just for a moment and get real honest with you and say this from my heart? Let's not forget to give to God Amen. this Christmas. Right? I've been listening to all kinds of Christmas messages and reading all kinds of Christmas devotions. And, and every once in a while, there's a, a preacher or a devotional writer who's got enough courage to remind us of how every once in a while we lose ourselves We get all wrapped up in Christmas and forget about Jesus. Help me here. And if if we're not careful, the best of us, it happens. Huh? And may I encourage us this year, this Christmas, this next week, to make sure we give to God a gift. So what can I give to Him? Well, you can give your worship. 
you can worship him. When was the last time you just took a little bit of time in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, throughout the day, and just paused and thought about him and praised him and gave him a little bit of thanks? Hello? Just worship him, you know? It wouldn't be a bad idea to get a real quiet place. No one can see you, you know, just you. And just raise up your hands and close your eyes, right? And just say, well, you know, Lord, you're worthy. You alone are worthy, Lord, to receive all glory and honor and praise. Amen. You're a great God. I praise you, Lord. Just put your hands back down and go on. Amen. Huh? You can do that while you're driving. Just one hand, eyes open. <laughs> huh? Now, I know your ladies are pretty crafty because I've seen you driving and putting on makeup at the same time. I don't know how you do it. I did see a lady with lipstick all the way over here. She had to make a turn, real quick turn, you know. So. Worship. We can give them the worship. How about this? Look, look here. We can, give them the gift. we can give them the gift of time. You can make a little time for him this year. Make a little time for him. So how, do I, how do I do that? Well, maybe spend a little time reading or praying or maybe take some, some gospel tracts and give them to some people. Just keep them on your mind. Give them a little bit of your time. Come to church. Say, Pastor, I'm here. I know. I'm glad you are. Come back tonight. Musical tonight. Next Sunday is Christmas Eve. And, well, Pastor, I got family coming in. They'll, they'll be there when you get home. Something about family. You can't get rid of them. They'll be there when you get home. Bring them with you. Amen? Yeah. i tell you what else. You, you give them your finances. The worst thing you can do during Christmas is buy somebody a gift with God's money. Don't take your tithe and buy somebody a gift with it because it won't work. And they'll be sending that iPod back and that iPad back and that iPhone back and that sweater is going to have a hole in it and moth's going to eat it. Why? Because you bought it with God's money. Thank you. Huh? Don't take God's money and say, Lord, you know, I'm a little tight this year and I, I just hope you don't mind. What do you expect him to say? Nah, don't worry about it. In fact, take the next couple of months off. No time for the next couple of months. I know you need it. No, we need to tithe. We need to give to God more than anything. Because when you give him what's his, then he places his hand upon the rest and blesses it. Because the rest of it is his too. Amen? So don't rob God this Christmas. And give him, give him your talent. I mean, there's so many things that when you think about it, you can give to God as a gift. You know the best thing you can give him? Huh? When's the last time you said personally in your prayer life or, you know, Lord, I surrender all. Holy Spirit, I'm yours. I know I'm not much, but I'm yours. He's not asking for much. He's only asking that we give him what we got. And if you give him what you got, you'd be surprised how he'll touch it and multiply and use it in ways you never could imagine. I'm yours, Lord. I surrender all. My whole spirit, soul, and body. Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5? Oh, spirit, soul, and body. Yeah, 1 Thessalonians chapter number 2 belongs to you. I wholly surrender to you. My spirit, soul, and body. Place it in his hands. Let me get back to the, to the thought here. Let's not forget to give to the Lord this Christmas. But I want you to notice one final truth, and that is life. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. 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 I believe this. I believe, I believe that life, uh, Christianity, the Christmas story, is summed up in that word, life. Life. Look, in, uh, look at the text again. Look at chapter 3. Look at verse 15. 
We read it a little bit ago. Let's read it again. Whosoever believe in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Verse 16, everlasting life. Look at verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Life, 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 life. You know what Jesus said? John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus said this, I've come into the world that you might have life and that they might have it more abundant. My whole purpose for coming is life. Christmas story. What's the Christmas story all about? It's about God who gave his only begotten son so that we might have life. That's a Christmas story. It's not about a babe in a manger. Not about some shepherds in the field. It's not about some men from the east. It's not about a Mary or a Joseph. It's not about an innkeeper. It's not about a star. It's not about angels. It's about God sending his only begotten son into this world on purpose so that we might have life. It's life. Life. (laughs) Life. What kind of life? Eternal life. Eternal, everlasting life, life that will never end, and life that is so much better than what we have right now. Huh? Life. Again, I remind you of a discussion that happens earlier because all this truth flows from it, and I'm almost finished. But in, in, the, in the discussion of chapter number three, Nicodemus, that religious leader, in essence, says to Jesus, now pay attention, I'm going to wrap this up. Lord, so what, what, what do I need to do to see the kingdom? What do I need to do to be saved? That's pretty much what he's asking. Would you agree to that? How, how do I get saved? And, and Jesus basically said this, you need to be born again. The only way you can go to heaven is if you're saved. Being saved means you get born again. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be born again. That's what Jesus tells Nicodemus. And I think, I think maybe he said this to him. I know that you're religious, but apparently your religion hasn't helped you. Huh? Somebody comes along and says, you know, uh, uh, Brother Tyler, what do I need to be saved? I'm, I'm a member of Open Bible. And you might say, apparently being a member of Open Bible hasn't helped you. Why? Because God didn't put in the Bible, in order to be saved, you have to go to open Bible. Somebody comes along, one of the twins, and says, yeah, I'm a member here at open Bible, but how do I know for sure I can go to heaven? It's all about being born again. Are you with me? Right? No matter what church, no matter what religion, it makes no difference. There's only one who can save, and the one who can save, of course, is Jesus. And so I think this, I think Nicodemus was serious but confused. And so Jesus makes it clear. And here's what he says. Now pay attention. I want you to get this. He says to Nicodemus, life is in God's Son. If you have the Son, you have life. Isn't that simple? You can read that for yourself in 1 John chapter 5, in verse 10, 11, 12, 13. What a great passage. Verse 11 says, for this is the record that God has given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. He who has the Son of God has life. 
He who has not the Son of God has not life, but the wrath of God abideth upon him. These things have I written unto you, that ye may know, K-N-O-W, that you have eternal life. You can know it. You can know that you're saved. Isn't that wonderful? What a gift. You can know it. How? By putting your faith and trust in the only one who can save. And who is that? That's the Christ of Christmas. That's next Sunday's sermon. The cast of Christmas, the words of Christmas, the truths of Christmas, the Christ of Christmas. Putting your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the ultimate purpose of Christmas. Did you ever, did you ever, did you ever sing that song, Because He Lives? Isn't that a great song? Listen to the words. God sent His Son. They called Him Jesus. He came to love, heal, and forgive. He lived and died to buy my pardon. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. Because He lives, I can face tomorrow. Because He lives, all fears are gone. Because I know. I know. What do I know? I know that Jesus Christ, God's only begotten Son, took my place on the cross at Calvary. And as a result, I'm saved. Christmas unwrapped, we discover some great truth. Isn't that right? Some great truth. Here's the truth. For God so loved the world He gave, He gave His only begotten Son so that we might have life. And so as we celebrate Christmas this year, may we not forget the truth behind the event. Huh? I like, I like where, where it says Jesus is God with us, but he's more than that. He's not only God with us, he's God for us, he's God in us. Amen? Let's not forget that truth this year. Our heads are bowed. Just a moment. Our team will come and we'll close up the service with a song. But I wonder how many of us would just, in our hearts this morning, just just worship the Lord. Just thank Him for saving your soul. Thank Him for making you whole. Thank Him for Christmas. Thank Him, thank Him, thank Him. Praise Him, praise Him, praise Him. Would you do that? And if you're here this morning and you're, you're just not certain of your own personal salvation testimony, if you're just not sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven, well, there's no time like right now to make certain. Maybe right now you'd be willing to put your faith or trust in the Lord Jesus Christ for salvation. We're praying for you. If this, is, if this is called an invitation. I want to invite you right now. I invite you to, to think about what you need to do to be saved. I want to invite you. If you, you, you want somebody to pray with you or talk with you, I want to invite you to come down and talk to one of our men, one of our ladies. Maybe you're going through a difficult time. Maybe Christmas is a tough time for you. I want to ask you to come. I invite you to come and pray with somebody. Be an encouragement to you. We're here for you. It's not just about a message. We're here to help you, encourage you, be a part of your support team. Let us help you this morning. Father in heaven, we love you, praise you. We give you glory and honor. Pray you'll bless your people. During this time of invitation, may we feel comfortable enough to come and ask for prayer or just pray by ourselves or ask for counsel and just find the help that we need. We ask in Jesus' name and amen. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. 
If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.